People have been complaining about the internet service this past week here, so I don't know what's going on. We'll see. Uh, they've been working on ours all week. You know, I live out in the country. They've been working out here, but who knows? How's your weekend going? Really good. You know, in the summertime, everybody's busy. You got birthday parties. You got this. You got that. So um, I guess we got Justin Decker coming in here. Uh, in a short in a short while, so it should be an we inter- sure day. interesting uh, chit chat. Uh, What's up, Grizz? Chris? Grizz, I yeah, wanted to ahead, I wanted to say that uh, you know I have to commend you on a couple posts that you posted on your group site this week. I mean, really, uh, I was not was, drinking. <laughs> <laughs> one of them was about trolls, and another was about the the uh, eyes. And another, uh, the, right. last one, the last one I seen was was on water, Bigfoots and water. And, uh, you know, really, right? those are very well right. written uh, posts. You know, I had to commend you on that. That's very good. That was that was my rank that came out from the law enforcement when I had to used to write, right? And yep. uh, I do not like to ban anybody from any group. And I do not mm-hmm. like to ban anybody from my group. Mm-hmm. But when I have to ban somebody and I have to go to other groups and say, hey, this person is banned from my group. They should be banned from your group as well. That's big words. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I very seldom do that. And I think that's the first time I've done that in probably a couple of years. You don't do that to anybody. But you do not act like uh and i hate to say this a monkey and make a fool out for whatever reason uh it is or for whatever purpose i mean you just do not do that i mean sorry it's not allowed and that's where i stand on that i don't care what is the the reasoning or behind it or not you just do not do that whatever belief or however you want to call it and that's where mm-hmm. i stand i'm sorry I, so. I agree. You know, I have I have a low tolerance for that kind of stuff. And you know, Chris, you know, uh, we spent a we spent a lifetime, we spent a career fighting and arguing with people. I I don't want to do that right now. You know, I don't want to do that. I don't like it. I'd rather not deal with that. So yeah, I have no problem doing that over here on my end. And I tell them, you know, you want you want to go. Uh, do that kind of stuff. Go find a public bathroom or something to scribble on the walls or something. Don't do that here with me. I don't have any tolerance for that. So anyways, the, the thread that you made about Sasquatch uh, swimming and in the water and stuff, you know, that's, that's very astute. 
And uh, I'm going to I'm going to put together a thread on that and post it and I'll share that around. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of evidence that points to the fact that they are very aquatic and very uh, adept to to water and swim like experts. And uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. Well, so. we hear a lot of people say they, they see elk and deer swim. Mm-hmm. And we hear a lot of people say they see logs. And next thing you know, they're like, uh, uh, it's not a log that we saw swimming. Mm-hmm. We thought mm-hmm. it was a, an elk, but it didn't have antlers. But And then we saw arms reaching like an, like an adult, but the arms were long and hairy. Mm-hmm. And then it was swimming like three times, four times faster than an adult swimmer, like an Olympic swimmer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and when somebody mentioned that to me the other night, and I, I couldn't sleep, and I thought it'd be a good time to put an article together real quick. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we had uh, on another show, we had uh, a physics, a guy with a PhD come on, and we were talking about vibrations. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about physics and uh, dimensions. Uh, the, the, we know there's 11 different dimensions. And he was talking about uh, alien life, you know, and, and uh, the different ultraviolet X-ray and gamma rays. And, and we were talking about our visions and different uh, animals and, and uh, visions. And, and he was like, you know, he's like, if you stop and think and, and if you want to actually say you know there's approximately 230 million different galaxies plus in this universe right and we're the only you know creatures that exist then you you're foolish to to believe that but if we take our spectrum but we are and he he labeled it and i had to look it up and that's why i used the graph Mm -hmm. and he said this is what we can see now Mm -hmm. if you take another species on another planet and they can only see between this and this, and they come to our planet, they -hmm. can't see us, and we can't see them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, damn, he's right. And that's the bell curve that you were showing. off that article. Yeah. And that's the bell curve that you were showing, depicting in that uh, graph with the different colors and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's very very good. He's, He's correct. But... Uh, I think I, I posted something on there that, you know, it would be, it would be interesting to see what an ophthalmologist, um, has to say, you know, as far as, as the eye goes. Um, but that's clearly out of my, that's out of my, that's out of my bailiwick. <laughs> you know, it's, it's beyond my experience and learning and understanding and stuff. I know I've had chit chats with people about the sclera, you know, the, the color, the white color of your eye and the different colors of the eyes and stuff. Because one of the things that I do is I, I note the, uh, in the database, I note the, the eye color, green, blue, hazel, red, orange, uh, green, all kinds of colors and stuff. But there's some, there's some that are pitch black, coal black. Right. That's creepy. That's creepy, bro. It is. It, it really and they, is. And they say that there's some that are 
are totally all white, just all sclero, no pupil or anything, just all white. That is creepy too. That's not normal. So, um, to the, and, to the and, yeah. and we know that there's 11 dimensions, you know, allegedly with physics and he, he went into the dimensions and so forth and the M theory. And it was very fascinating because I mean, he knew what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he, he designs boomerangs and he was talking about, you know, I mean, he, I, he, I mean, he, he was just fa fascinated. Was this fellow from Australia? Uh, no, he's, he's from America, but he's very well known in Australia, uh, mm -hmm. for his designs and everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, and he was talking and he, he brought it in about the string theory, which I know some about the string theory about the vibrations of the strings. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and he brought in the cryptids of Bigfoot and Dogman and how, you know, they could probably, you know, walk in between dimensions and the portals and, and, you know, and it was interesting how he, he, he put all that in, into, into a theory mm -hmm. in, in quantum mechanics and stuff like Ron Moorhead has published his book in the beginning of this year. Mm -hmm. So in, in hearing people's encounters in stories and in what they have dealt with over the years, you know, it's starting to resonate mm -hmm. and, and starting to make a little sense now. Uh, because before we would, you know, look at it years ago, and be like, yeah, come on, man. How many bears you had that night, you know, around that campfire? Right. Okay. You know, <laughs> uh, but now we're, we're starting to step back a little bit and we're like, wait a minute, you know, we're hearing all these reports across the world, you know, a flash of light, you know, we're seeing these, you know, things come out of these, uh, portals or these, uh, holes or just mm -hmm. like we hear all the time, you know, people mm -hmm. are tracking these creatures and the footprints stop or mm -hmm. the, the, or the tracks appear out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, what are they? You know, uh, some people are, are the UFO related. Well, I, I can't tell you that because I've never seen them, you know, come out of UFO or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, where are they coming from? And, you know, then if you go to the, uh, the 11th dimension, the M theory, the string theory, and then the eyesight and, and all that other stuff, and you combine all that, is that plausible? It, I don't know. It could be. So, well, well, when you, when you, when you talk about when you talk about UFOs, and now I've seen, I've seen from my perspective and my vantage point, I've seen a few dozen reports with UFOs mentioned in the same report as Bigfoot's. I don't, I don't uh, broadcast that. I don't talk about it. Um, but what's more, even more puzzling to me is why doesn't BFRO post those? I'm sure that they see those too. And whether or not those are written off as uh, hoax or whatever, whatever, that's their business. But I know for a fact that, that there are a number of reports with UFOs involved in them in the same report. It's, is it a coincidence? Uh, you know, I don't believe in coincidences. I've said that many times over. You know, there's no such thing as coincidences. Um, so, you know, that's up to the, that's up to each individual to use their own discernment and decide what they, 
what they care to believe. But well, you know. I mean, we hear people say that Bigfoot were slaves, and we yes. hear some people say they some are still slaves. Mm-hmm. We hear people say that Bigfoot are, are brought from another planet years ago or thousands of years ago. I mean, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't sit here and say, "Come here, Larry, the Bigfoot. Let's have a conversation. Tell me the history, and mm-hmm. let me write this down so I can tell white man or mm-hmm. the the history to the world of of your ancestry, mm-hmm. and let me document." I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, we have people that say they have conversations with these beings or however you want to label them. Uh, you know, are are they truthful? I mean, we don't know. I mean, we 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 try to understand what they're telling us and, and we're like, okay, I mean, we, we accept it. And, and, uh, and I mean, because we hear it from one person, but then we hear it from other people across the country and it's the same story. So what does that tell us? You know, I mean, if we go to a, a burglar, you know, a, a store that just got robbed, and we interview five people and they tell us that the, uh, a description of a person, you know, that matches this, the description of five of a person five times of the same description that tells us that we're looking for the same person. Am I right? That's right. That's right. Same clothing, the same hat, the same shoes, the same jacket, you know, the same height and weight. I mean, the uh, same car that got away. I mean, what does that tell us? Bruh, if you see somebody break into a Dunkin' Donut and they got sugar powder all over their <laughs> and there's donuts missing, yeah. uh, that's a lot of complicity. That, 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 right. You know, you know, there's no denying that. But, yeah, I get the point. That's uh, It's people have to use their own their own judgment, their own discernment, you know, and, and decide, you know, where they want to go with that. And, that, so, and that's, you just now, you just said it right there. You have mm-hmm. to take, you have to take it. What Val and Grizzly says is not the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Only thing we are doing is presenting the evidence as we are receiving it. We're not saying it's gospel. We're not saying it's set in stone. I mean, I don't know, you know, but it's just kind of awful strange that we're getting all these people that's coming forward saying the same story. I mean, these people don't know each other, Val. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're, hey, we're going to go on, on rolling the bones and ram the cage and we're going to tell the story. So let's all get together and say the same thing. Get our story that's straight. That's not how it's going down. <laughs> no, no, it's not. That's silly to think that, that that's the way it happens, but. You know, to some people, maybe that's, you know, that's where they go. But um, certainly uh, in my world, uh, I want to see, I want to see tangible evidence. That's what I want to see. And then I'll make up my own mind. I won't allow somebody else to tell me uh, or conclude for me what it is and what it isn't. That's not the way it works with me. And it, and you yeah. know, <clears throat> to that matter, Grizz, that that uh, that principle has guided me quite well over my life. 
you know, in my career and stuff. So, right. I'd, I'd like, I'd and like you some got those ones too that wants a body. Well, good luck with that because you're never going to get one of those. The government ain't going to allow it. Sorry. Bodies have been produced, bodies been hit by vehicles. Mm-hmm. So, you're not going to have same. one on TV. So, it's not going to happen. I don't know what the, I don't know what the fetish is with the body. I, I don't understand. I don't understand that. Because they that. want the concrete. They want to see it. Mm-hmm. They want proof laying on the table. And we have the proof. I mean, it's out there. Mm-hmm. But the, the American non-believers, they want the proof saying right there it is, ladies and gentlemen. They want the old wild, wild west. Where they want the pictures, where they want it up in the in the streets, where everybody can go by and get pictures with it. Well, that's not going to happen. You the, know, the government, the powers to be, is not going to let that happen. I'm sorry. You know, I I see I see these reports of uh, car crashes, and in one of them, the uh, the witnesses several different witnesses and, and different vehicles claim that uh, authorities came up to them and asked them for the cell phones, cameras. And ordered them not to take pictures. If that's a myth, what does it matter? If it's just a myth and if it's not real, what does it matter? But then uh, the same witnesses say, <clears throat> in a in a tractor trailer collision, there was clearly something there on the road. I mean, anybody can see that with their own eyes. Anybody with a brain in their head, uh, with two eyes, could see what was on the road. And according to the witnesses, somebody, I got to say, somebody, somebody took charge and somehow uh, somehow there was a uh, fire involved in the car crash and all the evidence was burned up. Nothing there. Right. But stains on the road. And we'll wash that off. And you guys just move along. There's nothing to see here. Forget about what you've seen, by the way. So, you know, earlier this week, I was talking, somebody was talking about uh, Bigfoot reports and stuff like that. And I mentioned that, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of law enforcement involved in Bigfootery that people just don't know. People just don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of law enforcement that are lending their skills, their experience. And uh, I also mentioned that by my count, and, and I'm by no means uh, empirical, but by my count, there's over 2,000 reports mentioning law enforcement involved in Bigfootery. So, you know, I would, I would conclude that, like it or not, rightly or wrongly, law enforcement's been pulled into the fray, you know, this Bigfoot, this myth. You know, people say that doesn't exist and stuff. Uh, it does exist and it is there. And I, I, I think that sooner than, you know, the sooner people 
get that in their noggin that they are real, they're out there. And uh, if you if you want to be informed, and if you want to know, like myself, I equate that to a pit hole, you know, one of those sinkholes in the road. If there's a if there's a sinkhole in the road up ahead, I want to know about it. I want to be informed. And uh, if there's something out there uh, that we should be aware of, I think that I think that we should know. Don't you, Chris? Uh, yeah. Oh, let me, okay, I'll put it to you this way. Everybody in this world, do they believe aliens exist? Is I guarantee everybody's going to say yes. Do I have an alien sitting next to me, propped up in my arm, saying, look, I, I got an alien right here? No. They don't need a body to believe that, do they? Mm -mm. But they want a body believing Bigfoot. So, I mean, that, that's, that's what cracks me up, right? You know, uh, the powers to be, or you're not going to, you're not going to get an alien body on TV. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Can we see electricity? Can you hold electricity in your hand? Are you crazy? I've done roll the taser twice. <laughs> well, I'm more than twice, really, but no, I'm good. But, Brian, you could stick your finger in the outlet. You would know that there's electricity, right? That would convince you that there's electricity. That's right? why I got a pen that you can touch <laughs> it, and it lights up, and it beats, and let, lets me know that it is hot. So I don't there's have to no put my argue. finger in it. There's no arguing that there's, you know, about the fact that there's electricity. We can't, we can't smell it, really. We can't see it. We know it's there. We go outside especially here in Michigan, you go outside, you look up at the sky and you say, I can't see rain. You really can't see it, but you can feel it. And you're what, you know, it's raining. Right. Um, those are some of the, those are some of the arguments that, that, uh, that have been around for a long, long time. Call it myth, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. You stick your finger in the outlaw outlet there. You'll know what it's a myth and what it's not a myth. You don't do it anymore. You know, electricity hasn't been around that long, really. It hasn't been. It really has. No. Yeah, you know, as far as all the houses in the country, and I'm, I'm speaking of this country, not the, the entire world, but this country, when they started wiring up houses with electricity, there were people that said, you know, hmm, you know, there's no such thing as electricity, but by God, they stuck their finger in that outlet there. They figured it out real quick. You don't do that stuff. There is electricity. It's not a myth. It's it's there. It's it's you don't you don't see it. You can't you you can't hold it in your hand, but you know that you don't stick your finger in that outlet. You learn. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where some people claim that. Uh, that, uh, you know, that skillet isn't hot, but by God, you put your finger in that and that you put your hand in that skillet there and you find out how hot it is. You don't do it again. You don't do it again. The same with uh, Bigfoot Sasquatches. You claim so we got a we got a question here. There. Here we go. Angel like once. No, uh, I was on County Angel. So uh, we've got weird reports of things. Uh, so uh, there's been many times where when I showed up, I was just told to, uh, don't worry about it. Uh, go to the next call. Don't ask questions. So I don't know what it was. 
So I, I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, so that's the low man on the pole. Uh, so what does that tell you? So, uh, well, I, you know, I, I, I worked in Detroit County Sheriff and, um, I never, I never had any of those kind of reports. So, so I can't answer to that, but I think I've related, uh, a situation where, um, um, years later, I, I remember a situation where we were called to a house and um, uh, the, the, the name and the phone number registered on the, on the caller ID on the, on the dispatch board, on the CAD, <clears throat> the dispatch. So they knew the name of the residence, they knew the address, they knew the phone number, and they had a voice. Apparently, they had a, a female voice uh, claiming that she needed help. When we got there, it was discovered. We got there. Rescue uh, arrived shortly thereafter. And there we are sitting in the road. We're looking at a parking lot because this house was torn down seven years prior to this. Um, and it didn't exist. There was a parking lot there now. Does that happen? Yes, that happens. What did we do? Oh, paranormal stuff? Yeah, that's happening. Yeah, just but shut the lights off. Drifted. Shut the lights off. Yeah. And, uh, hey, that's unfounded. This, you know, and then you slink away with your ears down, your tail tucked between your legs, because you don't want to discuss that anymore. Just now, it, our DNR buddies... Pass. Now they had some stories they wouldn't talk about because they they always now our DNR buddies those buddies are crazy. Let me tell you how crazy they are. Now that we call that well they people call those the fish and wildlife guys, mm -hmm. but these guys will just drive no matter where they're at. Will park their truck and just get out and start walking in the middle of the night in the woods. That's true. That's true. By themselves. That's true. And look for poachers. I'm like, I mean, what are you doing? They're like, we're going to go look. We're going to go out here and look for somebody. What do you mean look for something? We're going to go out and look for poachers. I'm like, dude, we're like 27 miles out in the country, out in BFE, out in this, we're on this country road. We haven't seen a car in like two hours, and you're going to park in, in, in this field, and you're just going to go walking. Yeah. I'm like, you're crazy. Now, when we used to eat breakfast at two or three in the morning, now some of them wouldn't talk, but some of them are like, man, we've seen stuff. And what'd you see? They would never tell us. Mm -hmm. They would never would, but we know. Now, that, now, those guys were crazy. I'm just telling you, they, they were crazy. We always backed them up mm -hmm. out in the country, you know, out in the county, but they, I mean, they were crazy. So, but I'm just telling you. A lot of a lot of good reports before before the state. I don't know I don't know when the nation went digital, but when the state went from analog to digital, that's when we had a lot of a lot of good reports from citizens that monitor those police scanners. And oh, see, we was on low band, so we was at one forty three to one fifty three, one fifty four, eighty, something like that. Mm-hmm. 
Well, these guys would these guys uh, would listen to these police scanner radios and stuff, and a lot of times they they caught conversations over the radio, over the scanner of these guys. Yeah, talking just like you and I freely. You know, no no trying to hide what they're saying or what they're saying. They're they're talking about Sasquatches and stuff. Oh yeah, so and so, Billy Joe, Larry Moe, and Curly seen the big gray one out there carrying a deer and some lady called and she was all scared and shook up about it and, oh yeah um larry moe and curly at the farm over here is upset because um he found a cache three four five uh deer with their heads pulled off stacked up and they don't know they don't know if it was a poacher or what and yeah jolene seen uh seen uh you know, a big brown one out there when she was on that uh, detail, that poaching detail. So that's the kind of conversations that went on. And those are some good reports and stuff. And now it's all digital. And you know, for the computer buffs out there, they can still catch uh, your region, police scanners on your region, listen in on those conversations. But uh, a lot of times, the more serious conversations go to a higher, go to a higher channel where you're not supposed to listen to. Right, right. You, you know, know because I hate it. What's that? You know, thirty-one, thirty-one, seven. We got a report of a of a cow on the roadway off of one thirty-five. <laughs> what in the hell am I supposed to do with the cow on the roadway? Now I, I'm glad we was on low band. I, I was always that smart, smart Alec one can you describe this cow and they would they would describe this cow with being brown with black and white spots i'm like i'll be damned but guess what thank god it was on low band people with scanners because i would have farmer larry down there waiting on me right because what am i supposed to do when i get down to 700 pound cow she with the taser to get out of the roadway sirens and lights don't do nothing because Larry would be down there and be like, about time you showed up. I was on 13 miles away, you know, come on. He's like, well, this cow belongs to so-and-so up, up the road. Well, thank God. Can you go get so-and-so while I stay here so I don't get hit? So that did help a lot because people would listen. But I hated yeah. those calls. I, I'm surprised that I'm surprised that you guys even had to deal with that. Don't you have oh, a neighborhood? Yeah. A neighborhood good guy that everybody knows that knows to call this guy this guy will come out any time of the day night round up the uh the cattle yeah yeah it's called the county police oh you guys were it huh yeah like we had to make sure nobody would hit it is one of our guys i'm not going to mention his name uh before he went narcotics he was in a pursuit and was down the county road and he actually hit one during a pursuit. Oh my tore the hell of his charger man. Lucky so, to be alive. Yeah, yeah. County had to pay for the cow though. <laughs> I mean it's not funny, but but yeah. It was loose. Mm -hmm. But anyways. You know, I I done this in that database, I do the uh, carcasses and stuff. Uh, I take note of the different type of livestock and wildlife that uh, people report and I mentioned this before that chickens seem to be the uh, the food of choice 
uh, for a lot of Sasquatches, at least in Michigan. That's what I see. A lot of, a lot of How in the world can they the catch chickens. one? Because I tried catching one when I, I had a guy down in Breckenridge County when I was a kid. Him and his wife had a farm. And his, his wife told me if, if I can catch a chicken, she'd give me three chocolate chip cookies. She used to make the best chocolate chip cookies. And I tried for 40 minutes to try to catch one when I was six or seven. I couldn't catch one. And they just catch them like there's nothing. Mm-hmm. But I know they get them in coops. Well, I wonder. I wonder if they uh, if they if they put those chickens to sleep before they grab them. Because they have you're to right. do something. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they they come out with handfuls, carrying them by the neck. You know, and that's that's one thing I remember as a little boy. I remember watching the old farmers. This might not be for everybody here, but I remember watching them, you know, how they detach the, the heads from the, from the chickens and yeah. stuff. And um, that has been described many times over in, in, in a lot of these reports and stuff. But they said they take the time to pluck these chickens as they're on the move. And I mean, they, they move briskly. But a lot of times, you know, chickens by the hundreds hundreds and and so it got me to thinking when i was doing this this uh work on a database and stuff and by the way i just entered another thousand reports into that database it it takes me about a week and a half to do this but you know when when you look at the cost it got me to thinking about the cost when you go to the grocery store you look at the the cost of the chicken and beef and stuff think about it you know, the farmers are taking a hit that, you know, that livestock is expensive when you, when you factor in the feed, the care, you know, the, the upkeep and everything else, it's, it's a big loss and stuff. But, um, and a lot of people, I guess, I didn't know this before, but a lot of people raise goats either for the milk or the soap or, you know, you know, the cheese and, and stuff like that. Some people are allergic and or have allergies and they need that kind of sustenance, you know, in their diet and stuff. I didn't realize this before, but but uh, Sasquatches like goats, too. And, and, and she, that's what that what's that's what sparked up that infrasound. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we brought up that uh, I brought up that future weapons uh, clip about how the government's using that years ago uh, for crowd control and the frequencies they use, how it can disrupt your bowels and your internal organs. Yes. And uh, I showed a segment to where you couldn't even hear it. Mm-hmm. And they shot a guy at the other end of the parking lot with it. And it, and that's how precise they used that uh, dish. It was probably about this wide. It mm-hmm. wasn't that wide. And that guy was was like, what <laughs> in the world? And you couldn't even hear anything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, maybe you're right. Maybe it's what they're doing. Zapping them, I guess. If, if you want to call it zap or infrasound or whatever to disable the, the chickens or whatever they're doing and to grab them. I mean, that is a possibility. Well, if that, if that wasn't possible, Grizz, how does one explain when you're out there in the woods and you, you see this many, many times, 
where hunters and hikers, campers, they all say the same thing. You know, I, I hear the birds tweeting. I hear the squirrels clicking. And even the mosquitoes and the flies. And all of a sudden, everything is deadly silent. Nothing. We hear nothing. How does that happen? If there were no infrasound, how is that possible? Now, you talk yeah. to experienced hunters and, and uh, trackers. They'll tell you when you hear stuff like that, when everything goes silent, you're being hunted. There's a predator out there, and there's a predator close by. Professional hunters and trackers will tell you this over and over again. And, you know, some of the guys that have spent their career in, in um, the military will tell you the same thing. You know, these are just uh, things. Hi, Chris. These are some of the things that you learn, you know. But I can tell you this. Uh, in, in my experience with the uh, Sasquatch and, and Bigfoot, the closer... The closer we 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 got to the the individuals, I say individuals plurally. Uh, I noticed an increase in flies and mosquitoes, and that makes sense. You know, for something big and stinking, there's going to be a lot of flies, and there were a lot of flies around it. Hey, Russell. There's but, our friend know. Russell there. Yeah, hey Russell. Hey, uh, we had a I had a report the uh was it last night or the other night? I can't remember. Uh I don't know, it was another show or so ago. A, a guy was even talking about I think on a show his son uh I think was shoveling sand out of the out of a back of a pickup truck underneath a floodlight at 2 a.m. in the morning uh, mm -hmm. in, in eastern Tennessee and he said when he saw Bigfoot it was the beautiful thing, the most beautiful thing you ever saw. It looked like it was shampoo. It looked like it, I mean, the hair was just glistening, like it was well-groomed. And it's just like, why is that? Hmm. You know, and uh, one of his theories is like, you know, maybe it was higher up on the, on the anarchy scale, you know, higher up in the clan. Uh, yeah. Just like apes and monkeys and silverbacks, the higher up you are, the well groomed they they groom you. I guess I don't know. I mean, maybe that's a theory. I got a I got a friend of mine uh, who does gift and and has habituated uh, Sasquatch in Michigan, and uh, he's told me over the years. He's told me this in particular. Let me just show you, for example. Um, uh, what he means by what I mean by gifting and, and habituating by some of the examples that he shared with me. This man will take those old VCR videos and, and put the old VCR in his garage in the summertime and he'll play the movies. There's nobody in his garage, but he says that the Sasquatch that are known to him that come around his place will sit out there and they'll watch these these old these old movies and stuff and he's he claims he swears that these things come into his house 
and he knows they come in his house because he finds stuff. He finds stuff that that uh, that he's supposed to see. He'll find his shoes uh, in different places from where they where he left them. He says he'll find his shoes outside on the steps with the shoelaces uh, intricately tied in different ways, different knots that he's never seen before. He's also said that uh, a uh, individual that he calls Mama, uh, he knows when she's around because he can smell her. And I says, well, what do you smell? Well, she's very clean, he says. She's very clean and she smells like potpourri, <laughs> spices and flowers and stuff. That's what they smell like, he says. And, and some of the females, and, and the reason why that resonated with me is because some of these reports, and you know hundreds of reports that I've seen uh, of females, um, some of them by witnesses from all across North America, they say the same thing. You know, some of these females are very clean. They'll, they'll, they'll clean themselves with, with, you know, the natural water the lakes, the ponds, but they'll also um, rub themselves down in, in flowers and for floral scent. And um, and I think Janice Carter even said that, you know, some Sasquatches look like they're very, very well groomed. And, and by all, all the data, it points to that's a fact. Some of them are very dirty and unkept, and, and, but some of them are very, very well groomed. And that leads me back to this, what what uh, Carrie Cassidy was talking about when she was explaining that an anthropologist, a military man who had uh, had this relationship, this working relationship, scholarly working re relationship with a Sasquatch that claimed that some of them, some of those individuals will go as far as cutting their hair and I've seen yeah, reports of this before. I, I, I get reports of that as well. And he, and it's his position, according to Kerry Cassidy, that uh, some of these Sasquatch individuals could pass for human beings very easily. And when I mentioned that Sasquatch, some of these Sasquatch wear clothes, you know, it's just, you know, you get the Larry Moe and Curly's out there just giggling and laughing, you know, you know, how is that, how is that possible? How is it possible? Look at a Walmart lately and see see who puts on clothes that that are ill-fitted and you know you wonder how somebody put those clothes on but they do but uh it's it's fascinating the whole thing is fascinating so the question is to me and all it's always been uh a puzzle to me are they emulating us or are we emulating them because there's reports of them sitting on heavy equipment. I can only imagine that they're imagining themselves operating those things. You see them in, in these abandoned uh, chalets, uh, standing on a, uh, on a on a balcony, looking at a horizon, holding hands as though they were two lovers in love, romantically. You know, I don't know. It, it just seems like a, a whole lot of uh, mimicking 
you know, human behavior and stuff. I don't know. It's fascinating. It is. I, I don't know. There Welcome, he is. Uh, how you doing there, Mr. Decker? Doing uh, good, guys. How are you doing tonight? Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. What's the Absolutely. weather like? What's the weather like in Tennessee, Justin? Well, uh, officially, the temperature is showing about 84, 85, and really? it feels like it's about 98 right now. So the heat index is pushing 100. Well, oh. I got to tell you, the last time I was in Gatlinburg, the last time when I retired, we, mm -hmm. we rented a B&B uh, &B over there, up there in the uh, yep. mountains. And... Um, I had to partake in that uh, that that store that they they used to have over there. Uh, it's got that it's got all that moonshine in it, you know those little sample bottles. Oh, there's a few stores like that around here, but yes, I'm well familiar. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not one I'm not one to partake in that kind of stuff, but you know, because it was because it was special, uh, I did taste it, and. Um, I don't know. It was, it no, was, no. You need to get a hold of the good stuff. Now. You don't need to get a hold of city stuff. You need I'm to get a hold of the good Kentucky, Tennessee <laughs> stuff. I'm a wimp, man. Now, I'm I got a, a neighbor in Indiana. His his brother makes some stuff. <clears throat> we, I can't believe we're even talking about this. It won't even give you a hangover. <laughs> watermelon. Watermelon. Uh, uh, Any yeah, any flavor, any flavor you can imagine. Don't know what you're talking about. No, no. <laughs> on that. Not, no. not at all. <laughs> uh, we were talking about uh, how well some of the uh, Bigfoot are well groomed and like haircut and stuff. Sure. Isn't that wild? It is. I always find that fascinating and uh, I've come across that a lot. Um, my personal theory is. Yeah, those ones are part of the group, part of the clan. Um, they they either either are an alpha male, or they're they're in enough of a group where they get regularly groomed. Whereas the other ones uh, that are usually seen that, that are more ragged and unkept, I think those are more males that have been kicked out of a group. I I believe they operate very much like like primates do in the wild, where once an adult male reaches sexual maturity, they have two options, either stay in a group, either as a sub male mm -hmm. or, and then eventually try and fight for an alpha male, or mm -hmm. if they fight for an alpha male, they'll get kicked out and they have to go find another troop, another harem and try and take over from there. Mm -hmm. And so my belief is the individuals that are seen that are very unkempt, uh, and those are generally seen as solos. They're not usually seen with a group. I believe those ones are those types of males that have been kicked out of their group and on, on the search, kind of like a rogue male looking for another group. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, that's my theory on it. Justin, have you ever heard of uh, people finding large amounts of hair? Um, not large amounts of hair, like like one with shedding and pulling it off in clumps or anything. Mm -hmm. um, the only times I've ever heard is like a kill site where they can identify usually as like deer hair or something like that, mm -hmm. or small clumps of hair caught on like barbed wire fences, sometimes in tree breaks and stuff like that, they'll find some hair, but never really large clumps of hair. I've got, 
when I first heard about this, this has been a couple of years ago, um, a fellow from South Carolina, now living in California, was telling was telling me that uh, he's found um, evidence of Sasquatch using um, glass or something to cut uh -huh. their hair, to cut their hair, large piles. I was always under the mistaken uh, premise that that uh, uh, Sasquatches were like human beings. You know, the older you get, the whiter your hair gets, the grayer you get. Mm -hmm. uh, but but you know, when they were young, they were brown haired or black haired or even right. blonde haired. But as they matured, you know, like hum like human beings, you know, the hair would turn white or gray. Or even fall out. But then he explained to me, no, no, no. He says, uh, uh, whatever it is, like, like, as human beings, we have albinos that have a sure. predisposition for uh, light beard skin and uh, white hair and stuff. But then he went on to explain, yeah, they cut their hair. So I've I've not seen a lot of reports like that. But it's, well, it's still pretty fascinating. Is he is he basing that just on the fact of finding large clumps of hair, or well, is there actual like more evidence of them cutting their hair, or are we basing that on finding uh, the the hair itself? If you know, it's been a long, it's been a couple of years since, sure. since I talked to him about that. But I think, uh, I think that he alluded to somebody finding a, a, a shard of glass, you know, okay. with, with the hair, and then you put the two together, you know. He, he right, and yeah. And to do okay. so, that's what, it, that's what they were using, you know. It's like, sure. it's like uh, some people can't wrap their head around uh, Sasquatches with, with long fingernails. I don't believe, right. they, I don't believe that they visit a, a, you know, go get a pedicure. No. I believe that they're, you know, their fingernails, in some cases, have a utilitarian value. Yeah, they absolutely. Them, they use them as knives and weapons. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But not all of um, them. I, I can say with confidence that's probably the point. Uh, the Indian tribe that I grew up with in the jungles, mm -hmm. um, that's what they did. They, they would use their thumbnails to gut the fish yeah. that they would catch out of the rivers, and they just use a sharp thumbnail and then, you know, scrape off the, the scales and stuff with a stick or something. Mm -hmm. But their thumbnail was just like a quick little knife for them. Was, they just slice through the belly and scoop out the, the innards and throw them in, in something to cook them, you know? It was, a, it was a natural Swiss knife. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was right there. It was handy. Excuse the pun. <laughs> um, and as far as hair cutting, again, the Indians that I lived with, they used piranha teeth to cut their hair. They kept their hair buzz cut as short as possible. They did not grow long hair at all. Mm -hmm. They also would use uh, tree sap on their facial hair and their eyebrows mm -hmm. and would basically pluck their eyebrows. They did not like facial hair at all. They didn't grow any type of beards or anything. They plucked their eyebrows and they kept the hair on their head as short as absolutely possible. And they used the jaws of a piranha and use the teeth to literally razor cut their hair. Really? Yep. Now, now so, Justin, I, go I, ahead. Think you, 
I think yeah. you explained, explained this to me before, uh, but for those that are listening for the first time that, that aren't aware of your experience with, with sure. uh, Indians and stuff in, in South America, correct? Correct. Yep. I was born in uh, Colombia, South America, in the Amazon jungle. Uh, my parents were missionaries, and I grew up most of my childhood living in the jungles with an indigenous tribe until I got to my school age, and then my school was in the Andes Mountains. And then when there were school breaks and summer breaks, we would go out to where our parents were. Uh, and sometimes I was in the jungle, and sometimes my parents in the towns. My dad was a jack of all trades. So he got shuffled around a little bit, depending on where the needs were uh, for the missionaries down there. But a good portion of my childhood was spent living in the Amazon jungle out with an indigenous tribe. So, so you have an you have an education, a background that a lot of us don't have, really. Right. I just call it a different perspective on yes. how on how the world works and, and just kind of a uniqueness because. You know, most people, especially around here, are, are raised in a cultured society. We have buildings, we have cars, we have fast food restaurants to get chocolate shakes. Um, and out there, we solely relied on ourselves. And then we had a once a month delivery of goods that we couldn't do for ourselves, you know. Um, but I just say it's a different perspective on life of just how I was raised. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. It really is. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know that a lot of us could handle that. And the heat and the humidity had to have been tremendous. I mean, I guess it was what I knew for life for growing up, just like, you know, wherever you were born and raised up, that was your normal. Mm -hmm. And you didn't realize anything was different until you went something else. And it was the same way for me. I didn't understand that it was so hot and so humid or this or that until I left. Mm -hmm. you, you know, and I came to the States and then stuff like that. And then I realized, yeah, it was a little different. There was a culture shock there. What do you think, Grizz? That's, that's yeah, remarkable. I couldn't do it, <laughs> <laughs> couldn't do it now. Bro, that's I couldn't do it now. Yeah. <laughs> so, Justin, do you speak Spanish? They speak a Portuguese do. down there, don't they? Uh, no, in Colombia, it's Spanish. It's actually one of the oh, purer Spanish. forms of Spanish. Yep. Okay. Uh, Portuguese is going to be spoken in Brazil. Brazil. Um, I do speak Spanish. I do not pretend to be fluent in Spanish. Mm -hmm. I lost most of my vocabulary simply because we spoke English in the home. And, you know, I was born and my first language was Spanish. I learned Spanish on the streets with the other kids, uh, which is common. Usually your first language is the country you're born in. Just because that's what you're inundated with in the culture, TV, radio, when you go out, that's what everybody speaks. So that's normally what you pick up on first. Um, I can speak with a perfect Spanish accent. I just don't have all my words is what I tell people. So I'm very careful who I speak Spanish around. Yeah. So so how old <laughs> were you when you were, were there? Um, I came back to the States when I was nine and a half years old. Really? So, so yep. you were there as, as a very small child. Yeah, well, I was born, uh, born and raised there. Uh, we came to the States a couple times for medical and then for vacation so I could meet family and my parents could come back to see their family and stuff. Um, once when I was four and a half and then another time when I was like seven, somewhere around seven. So your mom and dad are both American? Correct. My dad was born in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Really? And my mama was born in East Kentucky. Wow. 
Yep. So, are you a natural citizen? Of, you're not a natural citizen of the United States, right? I am a what's called a dual citizen. I, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. Yep. So I am a natural American <laughs> citizen because both of my parents were natural American <laughs> citizens. Yeah. So automatically, I am as well. But being born in Colombia, I am also a Colombian national, a Colombian citizen. Wow. So I was born as a dual citizen. I have a Colombian passport. And an American passport. I've got both. For life. That's that's for life. for life. Yeah. Yeah. Colombian bylaws. I cannot uh, renounce my Colombian citizenship, even if I wanted to. Is that right? Yep. My partner, police partner, was Ojibwa, and he had dual citizenship, both with Canada and the United States. And so mm -hmm. his his loyalties were were first American. He was a right. US, U.S. Marine, but he always had this this undying love of his relatives, family back in Canada sure. on the reservation and stuff. So sure, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm familiar with that. That's and I, I have that too. I've got my. I still have Colombian friends down there, and they, we call ourselves family. I'm their American brother, is what they refer to me as. And they always ask, "When am I coming back home?" To them, that's my home. Okay, like sure. I'm just, I, I'm just a way up here. But Columbia is my home, you know, and they keep asking me when I'm coming back home. Right, I got chills. You you saying that? <laughs> yeah, really serious. That's that's very very that's outstanding. Serious. Wow. It, it's pretty cool. I, I'll go back one day. I haven't been back since I left. Uh, mm -hmm. The political situation was too dangerous for a very yeah. long time. Yes. Uh, and in recent years, it's gotten a lot better. So I could go back. I'm just not necessarily in a position where I can right now. Uh, but it is my goal to be able to head back one day and, and visit my family I have down there, my friends, and just kind of, you know. Would you, take your kid, would you take your kids with you? Absolutely, I would. I mean, this is family, right? Yeah. Well, they're, they're, there's, I grew up with them, so they're not blood relatives, mm -hmm. but they're family. Yeah. You know? Wow, wow that's remarkable. Yeah. That is, that is pretty special. That's it's definitely cool. unique. <laughs> it is for real. Yep. So uh, Gatlinburg, Gatlinburg, uh, Tennessee, the Smoky Mountains. Yep. Uh, I was fascinated with that down there when I was there. Now, under different circumstances, you know, sitting in a hot tub, drinking a champagne, <laughs> drinking a beer, you know. Sure. Uh, some of them, some little sample bottles. Yeah, but nobody's talking about that. But no. <laughs> You know what I mean, Grizz? We don't talk about that. But uh, right, right. Uh, I'll tell you, down there, I smelled. I smelled the same smell down there. I didn't see it, but I smelled it. The same smell, Sasquatch smell, down there that I did up here. Sure. Yeah. In this situation up here, this is this is outside of the encounter sighting that I had. Mm -hmm. uh, I was on the freeway, and I went through that wall of stink, and it's it's unmistakable. And it's it it was it was fascinating to me that it was the same musky uh, smell, heavy smell, sure. lingering smell that I smelled in Michigan. I smelled down there, but I did not see it. But I knew it was round and it had been there. Sure. And I got when, those, when it, those, go tingly, those tingly feelings, you know, <laughs> when, you, when you're being looked at. Watched, being watched. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, the smells is an interesting topic. And I, I believe people try and, and put them all into one category. You know, it's this or it's that. I personally believe it's different things. Mm-hmm. I really do. I, I think I think a certain population, whether it's the males or just the alpha males or something like that, they do develop a scent gland. And that's why you're going to have the same basic scent like a musk, no matter where you are in the country. Because it's the same creature, the same, you know, like a bear smells like a bear, smells like a bear. A coon smells like a coon, smells like a coon, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you got to look environmental, okay? So, like in Florida, a lot of times they have the, they call it the rotten egg smell, right? The sulfurous smell. Well, that's coming from the swamplands, the Everglades that they're in, the marshlands up mm-hmm. in Louis- uh, Louisiana and all that. When you have the rotting detritus in a swamp and it releases sulfuric and methane gas, that's what you get is a rotten egg smell. Mm -hmm. Anybody that's ever gone out into the swamps and mucking around, you know that smell. That's a familiar smell, Mm -hmm. you know. And then so I think that's a smell you're going to get. I think hygiene is going to be an issue, you know, because Mm -hmm. if, if they are primate. And they have more like a hair like us than they do fur, like a lot of animals. They're going to have sweat glands and they're going to sweat. That's just kind of part of the morphology. And so you're going to have kind of a BO smell on ones that aren't either freshly groomed or haven't gone swimming or, or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I did catch as I was ordering my drink, you guys talking about the potpourri female smell. Mm-hmm. And I've heard, heard that a couple times. Mm-hmm. where there is a flowery scent to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're right as far as the fact that that's something maybe the females do as mm-hmm. part of their grooming techniques. I did hear somebody talk about how if you smell a sweet kind of rotten fruit kind of smell, mm-hmm. that that might actually be more like their breath and you're really way too close mm-hmm. to smelling something because then you're actually smelling their their off-put, whether they burped or belched or whatever, um, that the rotten kind of fruit, mm-hmm. um, almost the smell you get from a, a diabetic that, that's in uh, acidosis, right? Yes. Uh, that yes. same kind of rotten fruit smell. Acetone. Uh, that, that, yeah. That, mm-hmm. And that's kind of something that they say if you're really close, you're basically smelling their breath. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the odors are, are definitely a thing. But I think we need to be careful and not lump them all into one category as to why we're smelling. And that mm-hmm. also would attribute to why a lot of times there is no smell reported. More times there's no smell reported at all in, a, in an encounter, whether a visual encounter or a recent passing, then there is a sense, mm-hmm. you know. So I think people tend to jump on that bandwagon of, oh, they smell like this, they smell like that. When in reality, there, there's a multiple different reasons of why they may or may not smell a certain way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, uh, before you stepped in, also, Justin, uh, we were talking about. Uh, he'll come back. Well, well, we'll go back to it. We were talking about uh, UFOs, UFO connections, and BF, uh, Bigfoot reports and stuff. There has there has been numerous reports of, of people smelling. Here he the, comes. The odor of burnt rubber. You know. He's back in. There we go. There he is. Yeah, there he is. There he I, is. I had a phone call come in, and sometimes when the phone rings, it kicks me off a of video. Yeah, that's 
So, Justin, I was I was yeah. just just talking about when we were talking about odors and stuff uh, earlier on the show. We were talking about the UFO reports with Bigfoots, you know, companion. Uh, sure. Topics. <clears throat> Some of the reports claim that rather than smelling the the sulfur smell, they they detected. Uh, the, the scent of burning rubber, uh, and these are along with with UFO reports. Okay. With companion Bigfoot reports, they see the UFO, they see the Bigfoot, you know, in short order, and and yep. smell the the scent of burning rubber <clears throat> or metal, burning metal, like uh, somebody uh, compared it to the smell of burning brakes. You know how okay great smell okay so that's pretty interesting uh that that uh, there would be different scents and stuff yeah I've, I've i've heard um the ufo obviously companion encounters and stuff like that i've, mm -hmm. I've never heard the burning rubber or hot metal smell before mm -hmm. um and th those aren't really smells you would get in nature no um Right. That that's not a gas thing. That's not a decomposition scent. That's specifically a mechanical scent, as far as I know. Mm -hmm. Uh hot metal hot metal smells like hot metal, you know, and burning rubber mm -hmm. smells like burning rubber. That's mm -hmm. a very chemically kind of smell. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know what a correlation there would be, because usually UFO encounters, even even you know, first hand encounters. Uh, coming up to a ship or, or whatever, like we, we've heard about, um, usually they don't have a kind of smell. And if there is a smell, most of the time it's reported as an ozone smell, kind of that hot electric smell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I've ever come across the scent in a, in a Bigfoot UFO combination before. That's interesting. There's also been reports of a uh, very, very distinct uh, bleach smell chemical smell as though somebody was bathed in bleach water really huh that kind of and even is... see that puts me into the mind of the theory of um and this is just kind of one of them weird rabbit holes that i've, I've gone down where a lot of people think that some of the most famous ufo cases and histories were actually more of a mk ultra hallucinogen kind of military op and smells like hot metal and bleach and things like that would put me in mind of something like that more than an actual physical encounter going on you know what i mean like i don't know the reports you're referring to um but i know there's a lot of cases and it's coming out more that some of those may be more mk ultra related mk ultra obviously being the government use of uh, hallucinogens and LSD and, and different things like that, trying to manipulate the mind and perceptions of, of uh, civilians and military people alike and their testings that they did. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's very interesting. That, again, bleach is not a natural smell, not right. a smell you would encounter um, outside of a, a man-made environment, so to speak. Now, now, there's one woman... There's one woman that claimed that she bathes herself in Lysol. And the Lysol is, is uh, in her mind, a deterrent. 
to keep to keep Bigfoots and Sasquatches away from her. It'd keep me away. It would. <laughs> it certainly would. Well, I, that's it, interesting. Uh, I raised ferret, not raised, but I had ferrets for a while. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they tell you with ferrets is don't ever spray Lysol in your house if you have ferrets because it'll kill them. Serious? Yeah. Well, I always thought, huh. I always thought when I read these reports, because I've seen, I've seen reports where uh, the Sasquatch looked very, very sickly. Sure. Yep. It was blistered. It looked, it looked like you can imagine somebody with, with some sort of disease. Yeah. You know, I have in my mind, I have a thought that, you know, uh, and I've heard this before that, that, uh, there are, uh, drops, uh, from helicopters with, with poisonous, uh, food and stuff sure yeah in certain areas i don't know if you've heard of this before riz i have yeah yeah i I haven't yeah well i heard this uh around um wolves and stuff predators yep they'll they'll fly by and they'll drop these these i don't know what they are pellets or blocks or cubes or something and like like rats like you would deal with rats and mice around the house you know and the animals eat it, and you know they die. Yep. When people report the chemical smells and stuff like that, um, I get I get the the idea that uh, these things are being poisoned. That's what I think. It wouldn't surprise me. Like I I, I can't say yay or nay to it, but it, honestly, if the government was trying to do in some kind of natural control on these things. Or if, if there's an area with an abundance of population, um, then, then I could see them doing some sort of broad, you know, kind of general tactic like that. I can see that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's the reports of, you know, if there are specific ones, specifically violent ones, they'll go have a team come in and eradicate them that way. But I could I see a, bar, a broad spectrum that. thing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I could you, see some broad spectrum like that. Yeah. Uh, Grizz, you were talking about, and you probably know who it is too, Justin. Uh, the fellow that talked about that. I don't know. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, I found it interesting. You're from the Tennessee area. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a few of those, a few of those reports most missing books centered mm-hmm. in that area. Oh, one of the most famous ones, Dennis Martin, comes yes. out of Cades Cove, which is, you know, 45 minutes outside of Gatlinburg, but it's only 45 minutes because it's like 35 miles an hour mountain roads the whole way. It's not 45 minutes like it's, you know, highway 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's like 20 miles outside of town. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Which, as we all, anybody that studies know, that's well within a range of any one of these critters. I mean, I've been out there. I've been to Cades Cove many, many times. Um, I've been out to the site, not where Dennis Martin disappeared, but I've been to the ridge where the family saw something running through the woods with the red thing on its back. I've been to that site myself. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, we're right here in the heart of Appalachia. We got the Appalachia Trail all over the place. And there's people missing all the time off the Appalachia Trail. You know, uh, it's just part of it. Would you, would you, would you think that those are from bear attacks? No. No. Um, bears, well, here, here's the thing that people got to understand. Bears have a specific MO when they attack. Mm -hmm. Mountain lions have a specific MO when they attack. There's a way these creatures attack. Mm -hmm. There's certain things they they all kind of operate the same way. It's how they hunt. It's part of it. You know, and that's why people go, oh, it was just this. It was just that. But then when you look into it, you go, well, no, these then that's how wildlife officials know this was a bear attack or this was a mountain lion attack because they see the signs that they, they, they understand how these animals work. And, and I don't think that's the case in, in most of these. Uh, I'm not going to say they're all any one thing. I personally believe the missing people, uh, any case in missing 401 could be any number of different things. Exactly. And that, that's why, that's why I don't think David Politis puts a name to any of it because mm -hmm. I don't think there is a name for any of it. It's literally some might be a Bigfoot issue. Some might just be lost. Some might be, a mental issue. Some might be, um, they run across some people in the woods that take them out. I mean, we just don't know. And that's why it's mysterious, you know? Yeah. I've, I've read those. I've read, uh, at least four of those books. I've read uh -huh. a couple of them, uh, many times over again. Um, you know, and, and I agree, Justin and Grizz that, um, there are there are a lot of factors and, and uh, mm -hmm. people, uh, murder, physical health, disorientation, getting lost, yep. uh, other predator and wildlife animal. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of different reasons why people do that or why they mm -hmm. they go missing. But some of the the undeniable factors that that. Uh, you can't explain away and you can't excuse is as you mentioned uh with the martin case you know somebody seen somebody mm -hmm. seen uh, uh uh clothing that matched the color of the little boy the missing little boy yeah the fact, the fact that the uh investigator uh something happened that would cause him to take his own life. Yeah. Those are again, those are those are little parts and pieces uh, that that cannot be easily dismissed. No. And, and so um, you know I, I've got my own ideas on the Dennis Martin case specifically, but I do know that there are Bigfoot sightings in and around Cades Cove. Mm -hmm. Um, without a doubt, uh, one of my research partners took a report from an elderly gentleman who was one of the first cars into Cades Cove one morning, and they saw a male, a large male Bigfoot down one of the dirt roads in Cades Cove, like squatting down into a creek. And when they pulled up on it, it stood up and turned around and looked at him and then kind of unhurriedly wandered back off into the woods right in the middle of Cades Cove. 
Now, if you've never been to Cades Cove, it's kind of hard to explain. It's basically a drive-through wildlife preserve is essentially what it is. It's a big valley. It's completely ringed by the mountains. You can see the mountains on all sides. And what it was, is basically the last residential place people lived at in the Smoky Mountains like that in the National Park area. So there, there's churches in there, the you know old one one room churches, um, the old homesteads and farmsteads are there. There's a sorghum mill there, and yeah, they're all abandoned. They, they don't live there anymore, but it's the last place where they all lived. And so there's there's pasture land where they got horses, and it's an 11 mile paved loop, and it has I believe three cutoffs you can cut off on to get to the other side because it's one way. And that way you don't have to go through the whole 11 miles. But when it's busy in tourist season, that 11 miles can take you three or four hours to drive. Serious. There's that many people and the traffic is that slow and everybody's stopping uh, because you'll probably see bears. uh, You'll see turkey. You'll see deer. You know, there's all kinds of wildlife. Um, Yeah, it can take three to four hours just to drive that 11 mile loop. Now, is that so, I mean, is, it, is that considered North Carolina or is that Tennessee? Nope, that's Tennessee. That is still Tennessee. That's still Tennessee. Yep. Because from the uh, is that Pigeon Fork, the river? P- uh, Pigeon Fork, Little Pigeon. Yep. Yeah. So from from that point uh, on that route to Gatlinburg. Yep. Um, you're looking up towards Cades uh, Cove. Um, that's pretty close. That's the direction of North Carolina right there on the other side of the mountain. Right. 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 Yeah, it is. Um, so if you keep going uh, straight through Gatlinburg up into the park, you'll head up to, to North Carolina. You'll hit Clingman's Dome, which is on yes. the North Carolina side, and then Cherokee, which is up there. But before you get that far, you turn off on Laurel Creek Road, and that takes you over to Cades Cove. So the Cades Cove is still in the Tennessee area. Um, but it's not that far away from the Carolinas at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gatlinburg, if you go up that way, is about a 45-minute drive up to the Cherokee area. Mm-hmm. So it's so it's all pretty close. Now, that Cherokee County, is that a reservation to this day? I don't know if it's a reservation. I, I believe there's a res up there. But I know it, it's very steeped in Cherokee culture. They have the Cherokee Museum up there. Um, they do a lot of the Cherokee heritage stuff up there. Hmm. So what is your opinion of the Dennis Martin uh, disappearance? All right. So I obviously I can't prove any of this. It's just my personal theory, just from the things that I've studied, the people I've talked to. Um, a good friend of mine is a 30-year search and rescue veteran. He's talked to people about it up here. He's a local. Um, my personal belief is that Dennis Martin was taken by one of the feral people that are rumored to live in Appalachia, specifically in the park. That's my personal belief. Mm-hmm. Um, people talk about, like you mentioned, the, the guy that was in charge of it all eventually ended up taking his own life because of the horrors of the Dennis Martin thing. My personal belief is that he was taken by one of the feral people out here, taken back to their group, and these people are cannibals. And I believe that he was cannibalized. And I believe that's one of the secrets the Park Service is hiding out here, is the, the population of feral people in the mountains, not Bigfoot, not 
not just hill people that decided to go live in the mountains and build themselves a cabin. I'm talking actual feral people who have communities but live like animals, uh, caveman type, you know, for lack of a better term, but just to kind of get people to understand what we're talking about. Um, not indigenous people, not like an Indian tribe or anything like that, but actual wild people who have never been cultured, never been civilized. Um, and I believe what the person found, the, the, the forest ranger found that ultimately was his undoing was I believe he found a cave um, littered with human bones that belonged to this feral tribe. And then that's what disturbed him, disturbed the fact that this was going on, that people are disappearing because of this. But the Park Service is covering it up for whatever reason they're covering it up. And I think that's why he ultimately took his own life on top of it all, because he knew this secret could do nothing about it. And it basically just horrified him and terrorized him till he couldn't handle it anymore. That's my personal belief. But guys, isn't this the 21st century? Absolutely. It is. What's that got to do with it? How does that that happen? Money. How does what happen? Money. How does, uh, how does that population exist in today's world? How does Sasquatch exist? Mm-hmm. How did the Indians I lived with exist? <coughs> Staying away from human culture as much as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. Isn't there a tribe in Brazil that, that has never seen white man before? Oh, my friend, there's, there's many, 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 many tribes <laughs> in the jungles that have never seen white man before. Mm-hmm. Part of what my dad's job was when he first went down there was called contact missionary work, essentially trying to find undiscovered tribes. That's what he did for the first part of our time down there. There, there, there are definitively to this day <laughs> tribes of people that have never been contacted ever. Never. And, and I can say that with some authority because that's what my dad there's a specific tribe they called them the Hadawa tribe and my dad's team was was tasked with trying to find these people um and the closest they got was they found an abandoned village and and by village it was literally one big pavilion that they had built in the jungle and there's pictures of this on my facebook page um if anybody goes to my facebook page um it's it's open to the public it's not private it's under an album called Hadawa. It's J-U-R-A-A. Um, and you can see the pictures of their trip. And you can see this building and all that. I've got that all on there. Um, and they never did contact the tribe. They have no clue what they look like, uh, anything about them other than they found their, their village. And the reason they abandoned the village is because my dad and his team got too close. And this scared them so bad they just left. So there, there are tribes out there that have never been contacted. Val, there are people in Harlan County that have lots of reports <laughs> of uh, feral men uh, mm-hmm. rooting through garbage, really? uh, taking clothes off clotheslines. Yeah. Yep. And, and they say they look like the people off the movie The Hills Have Eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how and disfigured can... and, and weird yep. looking they are. You're not, you're yep. not, we're not talking about homeless people like we see in the inner no, city. No, we're, we're, nope. we're talking people that just 
And we're we're talking just like Decker just said. People that like never... ca- cavemen. Yep. Yes. Yes. And that's hard. I was doing some research because I was really interested in feral people of Appalachia. And it's really hard because a lot of the reports, you can't tell if they're talking about a Bigfoot or a homeless guy or or something else. Because a lot of Bigfoot reports describe them as big, hairy men. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the wild men reports are big, hairy men. And a lot of the feral people reports are of hairy men. And so it, it's really hard to determine because let's face it, there's not a lot of details in some of these reports. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really hard to find reports specifically that you can say that's a feral human. Mm-hmm. I have found a few where I can say that that's what, because they describe beards and long hair and then human naked bodies and maybe a loincloth, you know, very human features. Um, but they're, they're very few and far between to get a very specific feral human report. Mm-hmm. And I'll have to ask Jennifer about that in Harlan County, what she knows, because that's her territory. That's yeah. interesting. <clears throat> now, there has been one report in Michigan, I got to say, um, probably the last four years in the Upper Peninsula, where uh, witnesses. Uh, claim that they observed a caveman. Sure. A caveman. Yeah, but you know, that that was just drunk old Toybo coming back from the Hunter's Bar in Ralph, you know, and he just got lost on his way, that's all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Naked up there. Naked, yeah. Yeah. There is, I just, because that's, that's where my dad comes from, is up that way, the UP, so. Mm-hmm. There, there's a, uh, I was out I was out in uh, Oakland County. We took a report in the winter of a uh, of a uh, Sasquatch, and the guy says, uh, "You know, I'm a I'm a Marine. I come from Georgia. I didn't come from Michigan. I was born in Georgia, mm-hmm. and we don't play. <laughs> yeah, Down there in the South, we don't play. But he says, you know, I'm a I'm an outdoorsman. I hunt. I fish." I wave a flag. He says, and I'm a Marine. If you come up to me three years ago and talk to me about Sasquatch, I'd tell you where to go. Yeah. So he says, Val, this is what I seen. I seen a man with gray dreadlocks, all hairy, standing by a, a railroad crossing sign. He seen me and ran through the swamp like a greyhound. Ran through the swamp in the middle of February like a greyhound. So he he shows me a photo of a uh, trail cam. Uh huh. And it's a what I seen. I, you know, I don't know who goes around out in the populated areas and the parks and stuff naked, but this this picture looked like a man like a jogger, like a naked man running out there in the, in a trail cam and stuff. Sure. But it didn't look like he was all hairy and stuff. That was up in the UP. eh? Yeah. I mean that, that Justin, this is around, this is around the, the, uh, Detroit metropolitan area. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Sure. And that, that would be our, our, our starting point of a feral man person, right? Because it's clearly a human. I see. And so I then see. it was a human. Right. Yeah. And then you have to go on, okay, is it, you know, like, like, is it a, is it a homeless guy? I don't want to characterize and say crazy homeless guy, but there are crazy people out there, you know, um, and you just kind of, kind of build it off from there. But that would be one I would start looking at as a possible feral human sighting, you know. Um, but, I mean, knowing the Detroit area, so we're talking Detroit, Pontiac, Flint. I got family all up in that area. Um, you have, you have, yeah, it's, it's highly populated. Um, and given the current economic state, you are going to have a lot of homeless people out there. So doing, doing honest and open research, we'd have to somehow eliminate that as a possibility first. You know what I mean? But there's, yeah, I mean, there's, there's stuff out there. There's people out there and, just because somebody lives in the woods doesn't mean they're crazy or they're feral. Some people just choose to get out of the population and do their own thing. You know, I've got, I've got reports of uh, homeless people. Uh, I mean, by all accounts, they're homeless people. They're described as homeless people. Uh, yeah. Just absolutely being torn to pieces. Torn yep. to pieces. Yep. And, and uh, authority comes in there and, and claims that it was a, a bear. A sure. Bear went, a bear went under a bridge and tore this man to pieces. And yet, um, um, residences in that community nearby in close proximity have been reporting uh, Bigfoot sightings. Sure. And um, from my vantage point, uh, looking at bridges as one of the data sets, data points. Um, yep. Those are those are prime locations for Bigfoot sightings. Also, bridges. Yeah, not not just Bigfoot, but any any number of uh, paranormal slash cryptid slash monsters um, use bridges a lot. They're they're in waterways a lot, right? Not just bridges, but waterways. Mm -hmm. um, and let's face it, let, let's talk bears, right? Bears are dangerous to humans, but in we're, Michigan, we're talking black bears, right? Mm. And, no and, and most no. of... No grizzlies. Yeah, no no Sorry, grizzlies Chris. in Michigan. Sorry, Chris. And, and <laughs> <laughs> most of the black bears in Michigan are going to be your more docile. They're going to be your berry eaters. Um, there's not a lot of predation going on up there. Yeah, we might have some wolves in northern Michigan, um, but they don't tend to. The bears up there don't tend to be very aggressive. They they really don't. And and I'm just saying that from my family history. Uh, my family, I, I lived in Michigan from the years nine to seventeen, and you know we had family up there that were black bear hunters, and and you know there was one guy my brother was friends with. He would set out a big barrel and cut holes in it, fill it with bacon grease and day-old donuts, and bring the bears in. And he would sit there with his bow and bow hunt these bears within 20 yards of them and watch them fight each other. And he had no fear of these bears up there. They're not known to be hyper-aggressive up there at all. So for a bear to randomly go under a bridge 
And I, I mean, I, I could see, you know, they're going to attack him. They surprise him. They killed him. But to tear him to pieces, that that's a little hyper aggressive for, for a black bear behavior. It just is mm-hmm. not saying it couldn't happen. But under the normal circumstances, even if you're killed by a black bear, it's generally going to be a self-defense. You surprise them. Uh, they're defending their cubs kind of a thing. And they're not going to just tear you to pieces once you're dead and no longer a threat then they're done with you and they're going to go away. They might ransack any, you know, if you're a homeless person, they might ransack for any food you might have and dig through your stuff. But that's about it. They're not going to tear you to pieces. That's not what they do. So what county was this that you lived at up up north? Uh, So we lived in Menominee, so Menominee County. Mm -hmm. And then we had property... Oh, gosh, I'm not even sure what county it was. We were up in the middle of Mead Paper Mill country. Um, so by Felch, Felch Mountain up there, um, Ironwood. I'm trying to remember what the name of the county would be, but I just, I don't think it was Schoolcraft County. But, man, I can't remember. I was, I was 12, 13, 14 when I spent my summers up there. I wasn't caring about counties. <laughs> but we had... Ironwood's close to the Wisconsin border. On the yeah, it wasn't that far over. Because oh. um, what we would do is we'd head up to Escanaba um, and then cut through. So basically, we had 80 acres and a half-mile riverfront on the Ford River is where we were at. So very centrally located up there. Um. I can give you the names of all the little teeny tiny towns, but nobody's going to know what those are. You know what I mean? Um, but we were dead center there in Mead Paper Mill land. I had a friend that was an air marshal, a federal air marshal, and he okay. had, property, had property up north. And okay. He used, to, he used to tell me some strange things that, he, that he's. Oh, yeah. There. I mean, strange. Yeah, but you got to remember in in Menominee area. I think that's what you were talking about. Menominee, yep. Menominee, uh, that's in in. A, I think Russell's still listening. That's one of the areas where uh, there were large, large mounds. Yes, found there. And, yeah. and a, a lot of the uh, the giants uh, yep. were buried in that area. In fact, uh, it's so. Um, revered by some native native indians that uh some of them refused to go in that area you know uh, yeah well that's that's the we had the menominee tribe the the uh, menominee indians mm-hmm. um they're they're from that area and then yeah definitely there's i remember indian mound park mm-hmm. you know okay. up in that area and then stuff like that so yeah absolutely mm-hmm. um there there's several different places i remember going to that had the rock mounds like the Cairns and they always told us they were native American burial sites and, you know, they'd have little fences around them. So you didn't go in there and bother them and stuff. So yeah, there was definitely that, that kind of stuff up there. Absolutely. So, so uh, those mounds replicate some of the identical things down in South America, correct? I mean, they, they have similar things there. Yeah. And it all, oh, yeah. it all centers around serpents. If I, if I understand correctly. A lot of it does. A lot of it does. Uh, 
Uh, if you if you want to go down that route, the best information, or I should say, the best in depth documentaries I found uh, come from Scott Walter. Uh, he is, I forget his official title. He's some kind of, of he's not an anthropologist, but he studies like ancient cultures and rocks and burial grounds and, and ancient carvings and all this kind of stuff. Scott Walter, he does a lot of stuff like that. And he makes the connection between the same culture living all the way up to upper Michigan um, and the, the copper mines and iron mines up there. Exactly. Basically as the same culture as the Aztecs and the Mayans. And exactly. he feels he can trace the culture all the way down from upper, upper Michigan, all the way down to central and South America, mm-hmm. you know, uh, through Georgia and all of it. Yeah. I think that's absolutely fascinating. They have found uh, copper from the copper mines in upper Michigan. They have found them in, in ancient Egypt. Mm-hmm. And they know it's the same copper by doing the chemical analysis and purity test. They can identify where this copper comes from. Mm-hmm. And they've identified ancient copper buried in some of the, the tombs over there that come from upper Michigan, indicating a worldwide economic trade structure um, in ancient times, which I think is absolutely fascinating. It is. And then the fact that uh, they found uh, ancient Egyptian artifacts in the Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. um, yep. it really opens up this to a large, large. <laughs> Let uh, me correct topic. you there. Allegedly found. Yeah. We're not supposed to know that, Val. No, no. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. Well, um, there's a lake. There's a lake in upper Michigan, I believe it is. Or maybe northern Wisconsin where they found an underwater uh, village or town or structures that are very similar in construction to the ones from over in, um, was it the, the British Isles or the UK or something like that? Oh, you're talking about whole- the, uh, the, the Druid, um, what do they call those, the stones? Um yeah, almost, almost like monoliths, almost like yeah. like a yeah. Stonehenge kind of a yeah. thing. Exactly. But found under one of the in the water, one of the lakes over there. Mm-hmm. The people don't like to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> lake Superior, Lake Huron, or one of those I, lakes. I, I can't remember. I think it's actually one of the smaller lakes. Really? Like one of the local lakes. Yeah. Because that's uh, going to change history. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it is. It changes. Well. The It'll, it'll change the, the, the current accepted narrative, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, it seems like I've heard something uh, to that effect. In, 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 it, I don't think it was Lake Michigan. I think it was Lake mm-hmm. Superior. But they, they also found, uh, like you say, Justin, they found, they claim they found um, mm-hmm. these uh, structures in, in mm-hmm. uh, prehistoric, ancient prehistoric, uh, walls or fences or something down below, which yep. led them to believe that at one time before the glacial period, um, there was passageway between between you know Michigan and Minnesota. You know, it was it, yeah. it was in the valley, and then all of a sudden there's water. But uh, to that point, uh, looking in Michigan again. Sorry, people, uh, we're talking about Michigan. And, and yep. how fascinating this this is! There is a um, there is a uh, 
uh, a county in Michigan on the western, the far western um, upper peninsula area that has a, uh, that did have a cave and uh, it's, it's right up on the lake. It's, it's craggy, rocky, and it had uh, yep. petroglyphs inside the cave. And when uh, University of Michigan and uh, Michigan State got involved with this, along with uh, the authorities, they fenced this off and put it off limits to the uh, tourists and stuff. But they yep. claimed what they found inside this, this cave was um, drawings of what they called the Spider-Man. And the Spider-Man, to me, if you remember what the, what the Momo monster of Missouri looked like, the drawings, you mm -hmm. remember those, Chris? Justin, yeah. you remember those? It yep. just looked like a, you know, like a hairy man. With very Big hairy man, yep. Yes, yep. but the but the Indians called it the Spider Man, and so they had this sure. drawing depicted on the cave walls. The fascinating part about this is inside the cave, they found sharps. I'm talking about ancient arrowheads and spearheads. So at some point, before that lake became a monster lake like it is, very very deep. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I have I have a an idea, a belief that uh, at some point the Indians uh, came along. They knew what was living in that cave, and they they you know they took their practice at it. Sure. And you know, to to ancient uh, man, arrowheads were premium. That was you live or die yeah. by your weapons, your tools, right? So you didn't expend yeah, you didn't expend them like ammo. So that that to me is pretty interesting, and the fact that they put it off limits right away, fenced sure. it off, gated it. That, you can't go in there. Yeah, you know they don't want. That means they don't want you seeing what was in there. <laughs> they don't want you to see. That's not the. Well, let, let's they want. let's connect some dots here. Okay, so we're talking Bigfoot, uh, Harry Man, Momo Monster. Um, one of the reported ways of locomotion of Bigfoot when it wants to be stealth is what they refer to as the spider crawl, where it's down on all fours with its arms and legs spread out, and it's basically moving on its fingers and toes, very much like a spider crawling along on the ground. Exactly, exactly. Very, very similar to that. And I think that is, from all the reports I've read, that has got to be the creepiest thing that I could ever encounter is seeing one of these massive creatures crawling along basically on its hands and toes sneaking up on you uh trying to go undetected i mean that would that would put the fear in me like nothing else i think well you remember the old the old cartoons the black and white cartoons mm -hmm. um, with the villain walking on the fingers you remember how they yep. they used to depict that yeah the yep. same thing um, exactly in michigan in the early uh 1700s or earlier, who knows? Yeah. Supposedly, there were Michigan, the state of Michigan, the Great Lakes, was run by three tribes the Ottawa, the Potawatomi, and the Ojibwa. The, the Ojibwa. Yep. And yep. Because, of, because of the prairie people, the prairie people, 
the the Ottawa's got together with the other three tribes to form an alliance, and the alliance the 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 goal for the the objective was for the alliance was to eliminate and annihilate the prairie people. Mm -hmm. Who were the prairie people? That's always been my question. Who were the prairie people? I've heard I heard Sasquatch being referred to as a prairie people. They wander like nomads, like Bedouins in the desert. Yeah, uh, I've heard of uh, people alluding to the mound builders, but in all these instances, the uh, the, the Native Americans have the early Native Americans have have described the prairie people as being giants, hairy giants, very mean, very violent, and they they didn't have any use for them. And they wanted right. to annihilate them. In fact, one of the chiefs, the Ottawa chief, said that the problem was so bad, so pervasive, and they were so thick in numbers. He said that he compared the prairie people to leaves on a tree. Well, I don't know about you, but in the 1600s, Michigan, you know, it was all swamp, mosquitoes. Oh, yeah. Wildlife, and there was a lot of trees. Oh yeah, prairie <laughs> people were as thick as leaves on trees. What a beautiful, flowery way to describe something. So I mean, we're we're assuming they're not talking about like the Plains Indians and stuff, right? That oh. is something completely different. Big, hairy, stinking. Right. Uh, well, I just I want to get that out there for clarification because the first yeah. thought of prairie people is mm -hmm. going to be the Plains tribes, right? Mm -hmm. Um. And if I remember correctly, the three tribes you're talking about, they all spoke Algonquin or all part of the Algonquin nation, right? And so that's why they were all able to get together. Um, and that, that sounds very reminiscent of stories we hear from all across the country, right? So uh, in the south southwest, you got the, the red-haired giants. Mm -hmm. And the same thing where they were cannibalistic and they were coming in and attacking the people. And, and so the tribes got together, and that's where you get um, – um, well, the, the cave, I can't remember the name of the cave off the top of my head. Love where they, they, thank you. Thank you. I was thinking Lockwood and I knew that wasn't right. <laughs> um, where they, they lot, they basically, uh, barricaded the giants in the cave and then smoked them out and killed them with fire and mm. all their fire, you know, shot into and basically killed them that way. Um, so, and then you have like the stone giants in this area in Appalachia and, they, they talk about the stone giants and they have the fight against them. So, I mean, it, we hear the same type of legend mm -hmm. in all the different regions of the country facing the same kind of issues and persecution of these tribes of, of the same description of the creatures. Mm -hmm. Lovelock. Yeah, there you go. I knew it was somewhere in that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and so that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. If something like that came from up in, in the Michigan area. Um, because I mean, you, we call it God's country for a reason, the abundance of resources and, and it's not mountainous, but it's got the woods. And so if you are on that edge between the plains areas and, and I mean, you're talking Iowa, Wisconsin, right? Minnesota, Wisconsin, mm -hmm. that's where the plains cuts over to the deciduous forest up there, yes. you know? And so I could definitely see where there'd be raids from the plains people so to speak, into those areas for resources and food and, you know, stuff like that. So, 
that makes sense. That's logical. And it fits in with the same cultural stories that we hear from around the country. Mm -hmm. Yes. So yeah, that's interesting. Very, very interesting. Yep. Uh, uh, the Algonquin. Yeah. The Iroquois were the, to me, from my, my reading, my understanding were the largest, most civilized, but also most vicious, uh, group out there. Yeah. They scared, they scared the daylights out of their sister group. The Hurons and the Algonquins, like you say. Yeah. Ir Iroquois were more East Coast, weren't they? Yes. Uh, more the Sierra, East Coast woods? Okay. New York, New York, Canada, that area. Yeah. And, yep. But they were very, very uh, warring people. And they yep. scared the daylights out of uh, a lot of these uh, smaller tribes and stuff. And I think the Wyandots moved from the Great Lakes out to uh, out west to, to avoid these this group. You know, a lot of the groups that they moved. The Ojibwa were pretty strong, pretty big. Yep. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not Native American or anything. I just uh, have have done a lot of reading in, in that area. So and put it all together. You know, in the Bigfoot. Uh, yeah. Realm and stuff. Yeah, and that's one of those areas I haven't done a whole lot in just because it seems like a lot of people have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I didn't really, I mean, I've read up on it some just because you have to when you're studying these kinds of subjects. Now, Russell you seems know. to know a lot about the mounds and stuff like that. But, but what fascinated me about um, the mounds and the skeletal remains found in a lot of these mounds was mm -hmm. the fact that some of them, some of them uh, were buried facing a certain direction of the compass. Yep. And, uh, you know, that's always why that occurred. Yep. What, what did that signify? You know, well, I mean, I, I look at it this way. It could mean something. It could mean nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could just be coincidental. Like this is the way we were facing when we dug the holes. We don't know. Or it could be, if I remember correctly, a lot of them are buried on an east-west um, axis, basically. And that could be if, if we're talking, you know, if we're going with the theory that it's all connected back in the day, and a lot of the religions were very similar based off each other, if not the same, then you're going to be talking a lot of sun worship. And especially up there, we're talking, we're almost halfway between the equator and the North Pole, right? You're running right across the 45th up there. And so you're going to have a very, very east or wester track for the sun. And so it could be, you know, being tracked along that line. So, I mean, there's all, there's all kinds of suppositions we can make with it. Um, and for, but, the record, for the record, Justin, they were facing east. Right, to the, the rising facing, sun. Yes, yes. Right. Exactly. So mm -hmm. there's this, you know... Always looking back, we can always assign meaning to lots of things, mm -hmm. right? But I always wonder, 300 years in the future from now, what kind of meaning are they going to assign to the mundane stuff that are going on nowadays? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? That for mm -hmm. us have no real meaning, you know? But for the I mean, who knows? But for the gumshoe, <laughs> but for the gumshoe, uh, gumshoe and me, um, those kind of things I, I pick out and, and I notice. Yep. And it yep. raises a you know, it raises a lot of questions and stuff. So Absolutely. 
And I think those are valid questions that we have to look into. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we have to look at it cross-culturally where, okay, so let's say we are going with the idea that maybe it was all coincidental. Well, coincidental doesn't happen multiple times, right? Because at some point it becomes intentional. And so when we come across multiple burial sites in multiple regions, all doing the East-West kind of a thing, then you have to look at, okay, now there's a correlation here, what's going on, you know? And I I agree with that 100%. And that's why, like you, I like to look at the little details, the little datas, and and see what dots connect, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, and kind of see where we can go with it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty fascinating. Uh, what do you think about the the uh, extraordinary heights some of these uh, Sasquatch have been re- reported in? Oh, man. I, I don't know. I don't know what to think of them. I, I've read legitimate reports that'll say 15 to 18, upwards of 20-some feet. Um. Do you know Duke Sullivan, Justin? Yeah, yeah. Uh, now he's 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 made a uh, a long uh, program on on what he called the Gugway, Gugway, the Gugway, yeah, Gugway, Gugway, yeah, yeah. Uh, the face eaters. Yeah, is that what he calls them, <laughs> face eaters? That that's what people are calling them. They're supposed to be um, mountain giants. They're Mm-hmm. terribly ugly they're highly aggressive um massive gigantic creatures um people think that you know they're the ones that come down out of the mountains and cause all kinds of trouble essentially the highly aggressive cannibalistic not bigfoot but bigfoot type creatures yeah uh i was reading uh i was reading the giga Knox theory uh, by some Native Americans. Um, Barry Webster was mentioned in there also, Grizz. And, um, From Omaha, they, yeah. Yes, yes. Very good guy. And uh, they, mentioned this, they mentioned the same thing that Duke mentioned mm-hmm. in that, in that uh, thesis that they wrote. Very good. Very, very nice. Um, but from what I understand... The the Gugway, the Gugway is that is that how I pronounce it, uh, Justin? Um, I've heard it Gugway, Gugway. I think it all mm-hmm. depends on who you are and how you say it. Yeah, I don't know if there is a a definitive way. I've always thought of it and heard it as Gugway. Yeah, but um, they supposedly uh, monitor or oversee the Bigfoot Sasquatches that we know that we recognize the eight foot, okay. seven foot. You know, and um, now I've heard different things about this, and I really would like to get Duke on this show here. But I've heard that uh, when they snatch a, a human being, they they train the little boy or little girl, whatever, um, in the ways of Bigfoot Sasquatch, and then some of the uh, training is to is to go up there with with them and learn the ways and stuff. So, and if 
the Sasquatch here that we know that we recognize mm -hmm. frequently uh, aren't on the ball. The big daddies come out and they take care of business. Um, MK Davis had a, had a, a wonderful video of, of that example where there was a uh, terrible squabble between a black and a white uh, Sasquatch. Do you remember that, Grizz? Yeah. Uh, MK. And uh, the, the astonishing point to this is that that fight was broken up when a big monster daddy stepped in there. I mean, that sure. fight, I mean, they couldn't run fast enough to get out of the way. They cleared the sure. area. Dusted. All done. So uh, there might be some truth to to uh, what Duke has, has said in the past. So it's, it's very interesting. You know, I, I see all that and I go, I can't discount it because we don't know, right? We just don't know. But when people start putting um, exceptional, like, like cultural distinctions and hierarchies and what I call special knowledge into the picture, I always have to take that with a grain of salt, you know, um, because from my perspective, I see it as they're theorizing based on the reports and things that we get and things that we can kind of look at. And then they're they're taking it to the next level, which is fine. I got no issue with that. Um, but at the same time, it, it's one of many theories that are out there as far as are there even multiple species of this thing or are there? They're all one species with genetic morphologies different from different regions. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like that is that is one theory that we can look at. Absolutely. But I think it's hard put to say that's a definitive thing. And if, if that's the only possible way out there, I mean, we don't know these things. We The seven, eight footers that we're getting, 10, 12 footers, they might be simply the middle aged ones. And maybe there's a genetic thing in these creatures that they don't stop growing as they age because we don't know. And maybe you're getting a 15 or 18 footer and that's the true alpha male, mm -hmm. right? Maybe that's, that's the 30 point swap bunk that nobody ever sees that's living out in the swamp because he's smart enough mm -hmm. to not to come out during hunting season. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. That's like right. my correlation there. Exactly. So, I mean, we can, we can call them all the names that we want to, but the reality is, and I should say my reality is, we just don't know for sure. And anything that we put on it is going to be pure speculation. Mm -hmm. It really is. Um, I don't discount reports of 15 to 18 footers out there. I really don't. Um, but I have to wonder the, the how and why. Mm -hmm. Like, like how does something get that big? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Even, even structurally, because even if we're talking... You know, as a primate, even as a human, when we get so big, we start having all kinds of structural and health issues going on. You know what I mean? But then again, we have somebody like Shaquille O'Neal, who's a mountain of a man, seven foot one. And I don't even know how many hundreds of pounds he is. And yeah, he has some health issues, but not like gigantism health issues. Mm -hmm. Right. Not like Andre the Giant with the, the horrible heart and all the kind of health issues he had. So there are human specimens of just magnificent giant people. And I think it could even translate over too, right? So if we're talking, you know, humans average height, male of a five, seven, five, eight. And I like to say that because that's what I am. Mm -hmm. um, 
and we have some humans, Shaquille O'Neal, seven foot one. And if an average adult male Bigfoot's going to be 10 foot tall, how big is going to be a large specimen of a male Bigfoot? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I could see them reaching that height. So, and we do have reports of footprints and they're not common, but closer to, to 36 inches long. Mm-hmm. They are out there. Not very common, but they are out there. I, I got a story, and this is one of them ones that I have to put in the category of I don't know what it was, but I trust the people involved. Okay. Uh, a good friend of mine named Ken Collins out of Colorado. He bounces between Colorado and Nebraska. He's a Bigfoot guy. Uh, he's done his own sightings. He's got some amazing pictures. Um, he's found juvenile tracks alongside of, of adult tracks out there in Colorado. Um, this guy has a heart of gold. He does. He searches for missing hikers all the time. He'll be out there by himself in these mountains. Uh, he, this is just a great guy. Um, he got a call from a lady in Nebraska. And he told me this story and I have a, a picture and everything that goes with it. She saw something out her window. It was a human shape. Now, this something human shaped was in her trees. And by in her trees, I'm meaning standing in her trees and towering over her trees. They estimate this thing to be over 30 foot tall. We're talking a true giant. All she saw was a silhouette, a humanish, humanoid silhouette in her trees on her property she's freaking out she calls kenny kenny comes down two days later they find a footprint in this lady's yard that they can cast they found multiple prints but one they can cast and it was 52 inches long now even even Kenny is very much a flesh and blood kind of guy, right? And he's even going, I, I don't even know what to say about this, dude. All I know is what she told me, and then I went down there, and we found this track. And it was 52 inches long, and they cast it. And I have a picture of the cast. He sent it to me. It's literally sitting on the bed of a pickup truck. It, it's absolutely insane. And it's foot-shaped. Bro, would you share that picture with me or you can't share it? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I would love to see. Yeah. That. I can, that I can send that to you guys. Crazy. It's crazy. But again, I trust Ken. I absolutely trust his word. And I, I have the photographic evidence of the footprint that they cast, you know, what it is. I have no idea, but it's, it's something that happened. It's not natural. No, no, it's not natural. And I'll, and I'll tell you right now, you know, with the database that I have, it's it's got well over 7,000 prints in it. Mm-hmm. Each print in a data set is is identified by the size. And 36 is the, is the, is the largest print that I have yep. in that database. And that uh, came out to ni- 19 foot, 19 feet, yeah. 19.2 something. Yep. So you're talking about 50. That's a three foot footprint. (laughs) Yeah. But you're talking about 52 inches. Yeah. 
you know, uh, no, I, I, I can't. Uh, That's, I, I can't, can't even fathom that. No, I can't. Uh, that doesn't compute, you know. No, <laughs> it doesn't. Um, but, you know, and then 30, I mean, something with even a three foot, 36 inches. That's is massive. That's it insane. Is. It is. That's that's insane. It is. Uh, and but again, I and I've most of the bigger ones that I've read are in the high twenties, twenty four to, to twenty eight, twenty nine inches there's, is there's, usually the biggest ones that I hear about. Yeah, there's there's a number of those twenty yeah. twenty twenty twos, twenty threes. Yeah, the, the pee wee that I that I found during my encounter was 17 and a half inches. Yeah. That comes out to nine foot. Yeah. The, the, the common range that I've found is basically 15 to 18 inches. Yeah. Yeah. For, for what we're, what the male, the not males, but adults that we're citing. You know what that sounds like, don't you? Yeah. Which it one? sounds like the 52. You know what it sounds like it was? Well, that just sounds like a net ball of giant, a thirty footer, yeah. A nephilim. Yeah. A true a true giant. A true nephilim. Yeah. A true nephilim. A land of Canaan nephilim. Yes. Yep. Then yeah, I'll, I'll when I get back home, I'll I'll dig up that picture. I got it saved on my phone somewhere. I, it was part it. of a discussion that we had. I'd love to see that's, it. Justin. That's crazy. Yeah. I'll be more than happy to send it on to you guys. So, yeah, I'm glad you came on here tonight. I really oh, do, me too. I, I know. Uh, poor Val, he's shell shocked. Look at him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, 52 inches. Come on. That's, that's yeah. That's mind boggling. It is. Mind boggling. I couldn't even imagine looking out the window seeing that. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't want to see something like that, my friends. No. <laughs> Nah. Did you see the? Have you guys seen the Swedish movie Trolls? Because that's no. what it reminds me of. Yeah, I or have. Troll, Troll Hunter, I you think know, it's called. Yes. You know, guys. Yes, I, I have. I, I really don't like watching uh, horror movies and stuff like that. I don't. I don't do that. It's just, uh, you know, I'm I'm huh? in my own little world here. You know, I I know what's out there. I've seen some nasty stuff. Yeah. I just really. I really don't don't like watching those kind of movies and stuff. I don't. Ah, Troll Hunters was fun though. That was a good one. But it's but it's creepy. <laughs> it is creepy, but it's fun. <laughs> it's creepy. So it was it was a good one. That's what that, that reminded is. me of. Yeah, that reminds me of a an actual nephilim, a true giant. Yep. Yeah. But that yep. reminds me of that's kind of creepy. Well, I hear some music in the background, Chris. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time. Thank you, Mr. Decker, for coming on. Justin, thank hey, you. Hey, my much, pleasure, my guys. It's been my real pleasure. Nice. I appreciate you asking me to come on. Lots of fun, man. Absolutely. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, y'all have a good afternoon. We'll catch you on the flip side. Guess what? We're talking about tonight at 9 o'clock. Giants. Oh, there you Eastern go. Time. No, <laughs> no way. That's ironic. Wow. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thanks, All pal. Right. Thanks, Mr. Decker. Y'all have a good See one. See you guys. All Bye right. Now. God bless. Oh. Godspeed. Bye-bye.